part two chapter three of en route by jory karl heismans translated by charles keegan paul this librivox recording is in the public domain he woke with a bound at eleven o'clock with an impression of someone looking at him in his sleep lighting a match he ascertained the time and seeing no one fell back in bed again and slept at a stretch till four o'clock then he dressed himself in haste and ran to the church the vestibule which had been dark on the previous evening was lit up that morning for an old monk was celebrating mass at the altar of st joseph he was bald and infirm with a white beard waving from side to side in long threads with every gust of wind a lay brother was assisting him a small man with black hair and a shaven head like a ball painted blue he looked like a bandit with his beard in disorder and his worn-out robe of felt and the eyes of this bandit were gentle and startled like those of a little boy he served the priest with an almost timid respect and a suppressed joy which was touching to see others kneeling on the flagstones prayed with concentrated attention or read their mass durtal noticed the old man of eighty immovable with outstretched face and closed eyes and the youth whose look of pity had helped him near the pond was following the office in his prayer-book with attentive meditation he looked about twenty years old tall and strong his face with an air of fatigue was at once masculine and tender with emaciated features and a light beard which fell over his habit in a point durtal gave way to his emotions in this chapel where every one did a little to help him and thinking of the confession he was about to make he implored the saviour to help him and prayed that the monk would completely explore his soul and he felt himself less dismayed more master of himself and firmer he collected and pulled himself together feeling a melancholy confusion but he had no longer the sense of desolation which had overcome him the evening before he set his mind on the idea that he would not abandon himself that he would help himself with all his might and that in any case he could not collect himself better these reflections were interrupted by the departure of the old trappist who had finished offering the sacrifice and by the entry of the prior who went up in the rotunda between two white fathers to say mass at the high altar durtal was absorbed in his prayer-book but he ceased reading when the priest had consumed the species for all rose and he was amazed at a sight of which he had never dreamed a communion of monks they advanced in single file silent and with downcast eyes and when the first arrived before the altar he turned round to embrace the comrade who followed he in turn took in his arms the religious who followed him and so on to the last all before receiving the eucharist exchanged the kiss of peace then they knelt communicated and came back in single file turning into the rotunda behind the altar and the return was unexpected with the white fathers at the head of the line they made their way very slowly with closed eyes and joined hands the faces seemed to be somewhat altered they were differently lit from within it seemed that the soul driven by the power of the sacrament against the sides of the body filtered through the pores and lit up the skin with a special light of joy with that kind of brightness which pours from white souls and makes way like a rose-coloured vapour along the cheeks and shines as if concentrated on the brow watching the mechanical and hesitating gait of these monks it seemed as if their bodies were no more than automata moving from habit and that the souls being elsewhere gave no heed to them durtal recognized the old lay brother bent so much that his face disappeared in his beard which pressed against his chest and his two great knotty hands trembled as he clasped them 
he also noticed the tall young brother his features seeming drawn on a dissolved surface gliding with short steps his eyes closed by a fatal chance he thought upon himself he was the only one who did not communicate for he saw monsieur bruno coming last from behind the altar and returning to his place with folded arms this exclusion brought home to him clearly how different he was and how far apart from those around him all were admitted and he alone remained outside his unworthiness was more apparent and he grew sad at being put aside looked on as he deserved to be as a stranger separated like the goat of the scriptures penned far from the sheep on the left of christ these reflections were of use to him for they relieved him of the terror of confession which was again coming over him this act seemed to him so natural and just in his necessary humiliation and unavoidable suffering that a desire came over him to accomplish it at once so that he might appear in this chapel purified and washed and with at least some resemblance to the others when the mass was over he made his way towards his cell to get a tablet of chocolate at the top of the stairs monsieur bruno with a large apron round him was getting ready to clean the steps durtal looked on him with surprise the oblate smiled and shook hands with him this is an excellent task for the soul he said showing his broom it recalls modest sentiments which one is too inclined to forget after living in the world and he began sweeping vigorously and collecting into a pan the dust which like pepper filled every crevice in the floor durtal carried his tablet into the garden let us consider he said to himself as he nibbled it supposing i took another walk and tried an unknown part of the wood and he felt no wish to do so no placed as i am i would rather haunt the same spot and not leave the places to which i am accustomed i am already so little under control and so easily disturbed that i do not wish to risk anything by curiosity to see new places and he went down to the cross pond he went along the banks and having reached the end was astonished to find a few steps farther a stream spotted with green pellicules hollowing its way between two hedges which fenced in the monastery the fields stretched out beyond and the roofs of a large farmhouse were visible in the trees and all round the horizon on hills were forests which seemed to stop the way before the sky i imagined the grounds were larger he said to himself retracing his steps and having reached the end of the cross pond he gazed on the huge wooden crucifix reared in the air which was reflected in that black mirror it sank down seen from behind trembling in the small waves stirred up by the breeze and seemed to fall whirling round in that stretch of ink and as the body of the marble christ was hidden by the wood only the two white arms which hung below the tree could be seen twisting in the blackness of the water seated on the grass durtal gazed on the hazy image of the recumbent cross and thinking of his soul which like the pond was tanned and stained by a bed of dead leaves and a dunghill of sins he pitied the saviour whom he was about to invite to bathe himself there for it would no longer be the martyr of golgotha to whom at all events death came on a hill his head high by daylight in the open air but it would be by an increase of outrages the abominable plunging of the crucified body the head low by night into a depth of mud ah it would be time to spare him in filtering and clarifying me he cried to himself and the swan till then motionless in an arm of the pond swept over the lamentable image in advancing and whitened the moving morning of the waters with its peaceful reflection 
and durtal thought of the absolution which he would perhaps obtain and he reopened his prayer-book and numbered his faults and slowly as on the day before he tapped in his innermost being a fountain of tears i must control myself he said trembling at the idea that he would suffocate again and be unable to speak and he resolved to begin his confession at the other end first going over the minor sins keeping the great ones for the end so as to finish with the avowal of his carnal misdeeds if i succumb then i can explain myself in two words my god may the prior only not remain silent as he did yesterday may he only absolve me he shook off his sadness left the pond and returning to the lime avenue he interested himself in a closer inspection of the trees they raised huge trunks covered with reddish-brown stone crop silvered grey by mosses and several that morning were wrapped as in a mantle trimmed with pearls gossamer threads studded with drops of dew he sat down on a bench but fearing a shower for it looked threatening he retired to his cell he felt no desire to read he was eager for while yet he dreaded the arrival of nine o'clock to have done with to get rid of the weight upon his soul and he prayed mechanically without knowing what he mumbled always thinking on this confession full of alarm and harassed with fears he went down a little before the time and when he entered the auditorium his heart failed him in spite of himself his eyes were fixed upon the prie dieu where he had suffered so cruelly to think that he had put himself on that hurdle again to stretch himself on that rack of torture he tried to collect himself to compose himself and he drew himself up quickly he heard the footsteps of the monk the door opened and for the first time durtal dared to look the prior in the face it seemed to be hardly the same man nor the face he had noticed from a distance the profile was so haughty and the full face so sweet the eye dulls the proud energy of the features an eye familiar and deep when at the same time there was a quiet joy and a sad pity come he said do not be disturbed you are about to speak to our saviour alone who knows all your faults and he knelt down and prayed for some time and came as on the day before to sit by the prie dieu he bent towards durtal and listened somewhat reassured the penitent began without too great anguish he accused himself of faults common to all men want of charity towards his neighbour evil speaking hate rash judgment abuse lies vanity anger etc the monk interrupted him for a moment you said just now i think that in your youth you contracted debts have you paid them and on an affirmative sign from durtal he said good and went on have you belonged to any secret society have you fought a duel i am obliged to ask these questions for they are reserved cases no good and he was silent before god i accuse myself of everything resumed durtal as i confessed to you yesterday since my first communion i have given up everything prayers mass everything i have denied god i have blasphemed i had entirely lost faith and durtal stopped he was reaching the sins of the flesh his voice fell here i do not know how to explain myself he said keeping back his tears let us see the monk said gently you told me yesterday that you had committed all those acts which are comprised in the sin of lust yes father and trembling he added 
must i go into the details no it is useless i will confine myself to asking you for it alters the nature of the sin whether in your case there have been any private sins or any sins committed between persons of the same sex not since i left school have you committed adultery yes am i to understand that in your relations with women you have committed every possible excess durtal made an affirmative sign that is sufficient and the monk was silent durtal choked with disgust the avowal of these horrors was a terrible effort to him yet crushed as he was by shame he was beginning to breathe when suddenly he plunged his head again in his hands the remembrance of the sacrilege in which madame chantelouve had made him share came back to him hesitatingly he confessed that he had from curiosity assisted at a black mass and that afterwards without wishing it he had defiled a host which that woman saturated with satanism concealed about her the prior listened without moving did you continue your visits to that woman no that had given me a horror of her the trappist reflected and said that is all i think i have confessed everything replied durtal the confessor was silent for some minutes and then in a pensive voice he murmured i am struck even more than yesterday by the astonishing miracle which heaven has worked in you you were sick so sick that what martha said of the body of lazarus might truly have been said of your soul yam fetit and christ has in some manner raised you only do not deceive yourself the conversion of a sinner is not his cure but only his convalescence and this convalescence sometimes lasts for several years and is often long it is expedient that you should determine from this moment to fortify yourself against any falling back and to do all in your power for recovery the preventive treatment consists of prayer the sacrament of penance and holy communion prayer you know it for without much prayer you could not have decided to come here after the troubled life you have led ah but i prayed so badly it does not matter as your wish was to pray well confession it was painful to you it will be less so now that you no longer have to avow the accumulated sins of years the communion troubles me more for it is to be feared that when you have triumphed over the flesh the demon should await you there and endeavour to draw you away for he knows well that without this divine government no healing is possible you will therefore have to give this matter all your attention the monk reflected for a minute and then went on the holy eucharist you will have more need of it than others for you will be more unhappy than less cultured and simpler beings you will be tortured by the imagination it has made you sin much and by a just recompense it will make you suffer much it will be the badly closed door of your soul by which the demon will enter and spread himself in you watch over this and pray fervently that the saviour may help you tell me have you a rosary no father i feel said the monk that the tone in which you said no shows a certain hostility to the rosary i admit that this mechanical manner of saying prayers wearies me a little i do not know why but it seems to me that at the end of some seconds i can no longer think of what i am saying i should mock and should certainly end by stammering out something stupid 
you have known quietly answered the prior some fathers of families their children stammer forth caresses and tell them no matter what and yet they are delighted to listen why should not our lord who is a good father love to hear his children when they drawl or even when they talk nonsense and after a pause he went on i sent the devil's artifice in what you say for the highest graces are attached to this crown of prayers the most blessed virgin herself revealed to the saints this means of prayer she declared she delighted in it that should be enough to make us love it do it then for her who has powerfully assisted in your conversion who has interceded with her son to save you remember also that god wished that all graces should come to us through her saint bernard expressly declares totum nos habere voluit per mariam the monk paused anew and added however the rosary enrages fools and that is a sure sign you will for a penance recite ten every day for a month he ceased and then went on again slowly all of us alas retain that scar of original sin which is the inclination towards evil each man encourages it more or less as for you since you grew up the scar has been always open but as you hate the wound god will close it so i will say nothing of your past as your repentance and your firm resolve to sin no more efface it to-morrow you will receive the pledge of reconciliation you will communicate after so many years the lord will set out on the way to your soul and will rest there approach him with great humility and prepare yourself from this moment by prayer for this mysterious meeting of hearts which his goodness desires now say your act of contrition and i will give you holy absolution the monk raised his arms and the sleeves of his white cowl rose above him like two wings with uplifted eyes he uttered the imperious formula which breaks the bonds and the three words ego te absolvo spoken more distinctly and slowly fell upon durtal who trembled from head to foot he almost sank to the ground incapable of collecting himself or understanding himself only feeling in the clearest manner that christ himself was present near him in that place and finding no word of thanks he wept ravished and bowed down under the great sign of the cross with which the monk enveloped him he seemed to be waking from a dream as the prior said to him rejoice your life is dead it is buried in a cloister and in a cloister it will be born again it is a good omen have confidence in our lord and go in peace and the father added pressing his hand do not be afraid of disturbing me i am entirely at your service not only for confession but for interviews and for any advice which may be of use to you you quite understand me they left the auditorium together the monk bowed to him in the corridor and disappeared durtal hesitated whether to meditate in his cell or in the church when monsieur bruno met him approaching durtal he said well that is a fine weight the less on your stomach and as durtal looked at him in astonishment he laughed do you think that an old sinner like me could not tell from a thousand nothings if only from the way your poor eyes are now shining that you had not been reconciled when you landed here now i have just met the reverend father returning to the cloister and i find you coming out of the auditorium there is no need to be particularly sly to guess that the great wash has just taken place but said durtal you could not have seen the prior with me for he had left before you came in and he might have been performing some other duty no for he was not in his scapula he had his cowl on 
and as he never puts on that robe except to go to church or at confessions i was quite certain that he came from the auditorium as there is no office at this hour i may also point out that as the trappists do not come to confession in this room two persons only could have been with him you or i you may say as much replied durtal laughing father etienne met them in the midst of all this and durtal asked him for a rosary but i have not one exclaimed the monk i have several said monsieur bruno and shall be most happy to offer you one you will allow me father the monk acquiesced by a sign then if you will come with me replied the oblate addressing durtal i will hand it you without delay they went upstairs together and durtal then learnt that monsieur bruno lived in a room at the bottom of a small corridor not far from his own his cell was very simply furnished with old middle-class furniture a bed a mahogany bureau a large bookcase full of ascetic books an earthenware stove and some armchairs these articles were evidently the property of the oblate for they were nothing like the furniture of la trappe pray be seated said monsieur bruno indicating an armchair and they conversed having first discussed the sacrament of penance the talk came round to the subject of father maximin and durtal admitted the high bearing of the prior had terrified him at first monsieur bruno laughed yes he said he produces that effect on those who never come near him but when one associates with him one finds that he is only strict for himself for no one is more indulgent to others in every acceptation of the term he is a true and holy monk and besides he has great judgment and as durtal spoke to him of other cenobites and wondered that there were some quite young men among them m bruno replied it is a mistake to suppose that most trappists have lived in the world the idea so widespread that people take refuge in la trappe after long sorrows or disorderly lives is absolutely false besides to be able to stand the weakening rule of the cloister it is necessary to begin young and not to come in worn out with every kind of abuse it is also necessary to avoid confounding misanthropy with the monastic vocation it is not hypochondria but the divine call which leads to la trappe there is a special grace which makes all young men who have never lived in the world long to bury themselves in silence and therein suffer the hardest privations and they are happy as i hope you will be and yet their life is still more rigorous than you would think take the lay brothers for example think of their giving themselves up to the most painful labour and that they have not like the fathers the consolation of singing and assisting at all the offices remember that even their reward the communion is not very often conceded to them now think of the winter here the cold is frightful in these decayed buildings nothing shuts properly and the wind sweeps the house from top to bottom they freeze without fires they sleep upon pallets and they cannot help or encourage each other for they hardly know each other as all conversation is forbidden think also that these poor people never hear a kindly word a word which would soothe and comfort them they work from dawn till night and the master never thanks them for their zeal never tells the good workman that he is pleased consider also that in summer when men are hired from the neighbouring villages to reap the harvest these rest when the sun scorches the fields they sit in their shirt sleeves under the shade of the ricks and drink if they are thirsty and eat and the lay brother in his heavy clothes looks at them and goes on with his work and neither eats nor drinks ah men must have well-tempered souls to stand such a life but surely there must be some off days said durtal when the rule is relaxed never there is not even as in some very strict orders 
the carmelites to take one instance an hour of recreation when the religious may talk and laugh here the silence is eternal even when they are together in the refectory then they read the conferences of cassien the holy ladder of climacus the lives of the fathers of the desert or some other pious book and on sunday on sunday they rise an hour earlier but on the whole it is their best day for they can follow all the officers and pass their whole time in church humility and self-denial carried to such an extent are superhuman cried durtal but they are surely given a sufficient quantity of strong nourishment to enable them to give themselves up from morning till evening to exhausting work in the fields Monsieur bruno smiled they simply get vegetables which are not even as good as those which are served to us and by way of wine they quench their thirst with a sour and insipid liquid which leaves half a glass full of sediment they get a pint each and if they are thirsty they can add water and how often do they eat that depends from the fourteenth september to lent they only eat once a day at half past two and during lent this meal is put off till four o'clock from easter to the fourteenth september when the cistercian fast is less strict dinner is at about half past eleven and to this may be added a light meal in the evening it is frightful to work for months on one meal a day two hours after noon after being up since two o'clock in the morning having had no dinner the evening before it is sometimes necessary to relax the rule a little and when a monk fails from weakness he is not refused a morsel of bread it would be well continued monsieur bruno pensively to relax still further the grasp of these observances for this question of food is becoming a veritable stumbling-block in recruiting for la trappe souls which delight in these cloisters are forced to fly them because their bodies cannot stand the rule footnote one the opinion of monsieur bruno has been lately adopted by all the abbeys of the order in a general chapter of la trappe held from the twelfth to the eighteenth september eighteen ninety four in holland at tilburg it was decided that except in seasons of fasting the monks might eat a little in the morning dine at eleven and sup in the evening article one hundred and sixteen of the new constitutions voted by this assembly of the chapter and approved by the holy see is in effect thus conceived diebus quibus non jejunatura sanctu pascha usque adirus septembris dominicis per totum annum et omnibus festis sermonis aut feriatis extra quadrigesimam omnes monarchi manea cipiant mixtum ora undecima prandeant et ad seram cenent and the fathers lead the same life as the lay brothers absolutely they set the example they all swallow the same pittance and sleep in the same dormitory on similar beds there is complete equality only the fathers have the advantage of singing the office and obtaining more frequent communions among the lay brothers there are two who have interested me particularly one quite young a tall fair man with a pointed beard the other a very old man quite bent the young one is brother anacletus this young man is a veritable column of prayer and one of the most precious recruits whom heaven has bestowed upon our abbey as for old simeon he is a child of la trappe for he was brought up in an orphanage of the order there you have an extraordinary soul a true saint who already lives absorbed in god we will talk of him at greater length another day for it is time we went down the hour of sext is near wait here is the rosary which i am pleased to offer you allow me to add to it a medal of saint benedict and he made over to durtal a small wooden rosary and the strange circle engraved with cabalistic letters the amulet of saint benedict 
do you know the meaning of these signs yes i read it once in a pamphlet of don guiranger good and by the by when do you communicate tomorrow tomorrow it is impossible why impossible because there will be only a single mass tomorrow that of five o'clock and at that the rule prevents your communicating alone father benedict who usually says an earlier mass went away this morning and will not return for two days there is some mistake but the prior positively declared to me that i should communicate tomorrow exclaimed durtal not all the fathers here then are priests no in fact as to priests there is the abbot who is ill the prior who will offer the sacrifice tomorrow at five o'clock father benedict of whom i spoke to you and another whom you have not seen and who is travelling and then if it had been possible i also should have approached the holy table then if the fathers are not all ordained what difference is there between those who have obtained the priesthood and the simple lay brothers education to be a father a man must have studied must know latin and in a word must not be what the lay brothers are peasants or workmen in any case i shall see the prior and as to the communion to-morrow i will let you know after the office but it is tiresome it is a pity you could not have come up this morning with us durtal made a gesture of regret he went into the chapel dwelling on this misfortune and praying god not to delay his re-entry into grace any longer after sext the oblate came to rejoin him it is just as i thought he said but nevertheless you will be admitted to take the sacrament the father prior has arranged with the curate who dines with us he will say a mass to-morrow morning before leaving and you will then communicate oh groaned durtal this news broke his heart that he should have come to la trappe to receive the eucharist from the hands of a priest of passage from a jovial priest such as this man ah oh, no i have confessed to a monk and i wished to receive the communion from a monk he exclaimed it would have been better to wait till father benedict returned but what can i do i can hardly explain to the prior how repugnant this unknown priest is to me and how terribly painful it would be to me after having gone through so much to end by being thus reconciled in a cloister and he complained to god telling him that all the joy he might have felt in being purified and clean at last was now spoilt by this disappointment he arrived at the refectory hanging his head the curate was there already seeing durtal's sad demeanour he charitably tried to cheer him but the jokes he attempted produced the opposite effect durtal smiled in order to be polite but his air was so wearied that monsieur bruneau who saw it turned the conversation and monopolized the priest durtal was in a hurry for his dinner to be over he had eaten his egg and was painfully swallowing a warm potato soup made with hot oil which from its appearance might have been mistaken for vaseline but he now cared little about his food he said to himself it is dreadful to carry away an irritating and painful recollection of a first communion and i know it will haunt me for ever i know well enough that from a theological point of view it does not matter whether i am dealing with a priest or a trappist both are but interpreters between god and me but yet i feel very well that it is not at all the same thing for once at least i need a guarantee of certain holiness and how can i have it with an ecclesiastic who hawks about jokes like a bagman he stopped remembering that the abbe gevresin fearing this mistrust had specially sent him to a trappist monastery what a run of ill luck he said to himself he did not even hear the conversation which was going on beside him between the curate and the oblate 
he struggled with himself all alone as he chewed with his nose in his plate i do not wish to communicate to-morrow he went on and he was shocked he was cowardly and becoming foolish at the last would not the saviour give himself to him all the same he rose from the table stirred by a dull anguish and he wandered in the park and went down the paths as chance led him another idea was now growing in him an idea that heaven was inflicting a trial upon him i want humility he repeated well it is to punish me that i am refused the joy of being sanctified by a monk christ has forgiven me that is much why should he do more by taking note of my preferences and granting my wishes this thought appeased him for a few minutes and reproaching himself for rebelling he accused himself of being unjust towards a priest who after all might be a saint ah enough of that he said i must accept the fact and try for once to be a little humble but i have to recite my rosary he seated himself on the grass and began he had not reached the second bead when misunderstanding again pursued him he began again on the pater and ave and went on thinking no more of the sense of his prayers reflecting what ill luck that the one monk who says mass every day should be away so that i have to go through such a disappointment to-morrow he was silent and had a moment of calm when suddenly a new element of trouble burst upon him he looked at the rosary of which he had told ten beads let me see the prior told me to recite ten every day ten beads or ten rosaries beads he said and almost at the same moment answered rosaries he remained perplexed but that is idiotic he could not have told me to go through the rosary ten times a day that would amount to something like five hundred prayers on end no one could do such a task without losing his wits there is no doubt it is clear he meant ten beads but no for if a confessor gives a penance it must be admitted that he would proportion it to the greatness of the sins and as i have such repugnance for these drops of devotion taken in globules it is natural that he should gorge me with a large dose of the rosary still still it cannot be i should not have even time for it all in paris it is absurd and the idea that he was deceiving himself came intermittently charging back still there must be no haggling in ecclesiastical language ten means ten beads no doubt but i remember very well that after he pronounced the word rosary the father expressed himself thus you will say ten that means ten rosaries for otherwise he would have specified ten of a rosary and so he thrust and parried with himself the father had no need to put the dots on all the eyes if he were using an ordinary phrase known to everyone this cavilling about the value of a word is ridiculous he tried to get rid of this torment by appealing to his reason and suddenly there came out some argument which unsettled him he found out that it was through cowardice idleness desire for contradiction and the necessity of rebelling that he did not wish to wind his ten reels of the two interpretations i have chosen the one which would relieve me of all effort and trouble it is really too easy that alone proves that i deceive myself when i try to persuade myself that the prior only ordered me to pick out ten beads then a pater ten aves and a gloria are nothing it is not heavy as a penance and then he answered himself but it is much for you for you cannot even attempt so much without wandering he was turning on himself without advancing a step i have never felt such hesitation he said trying to pull himself together i am not stupid and yet i am fighting against my good sense for it is not a matter of doubt i know it i ought to say ten aves and not one more 
he remained nonplussed almost frightened at his condition which was new to him and to get out of the difficulty to silence himself he thought of a new idea to conciliate both parties which seemed most concise and which presented at least a provisional solution in any case he reflected i cannot communicate to-morrow if i do not complete my penance to-day in the doubt the wisest course is to yoke myself to the ten rosaries later i shall see if necessary i shall be able to consult the prior it is true that he will think me an idiot if i speak to him of these rosaries so i shall not be able to ask him that but then you see you admit yourself it can only be ten beads he was furious with himself and for silence's sake rushed upon the rosary he might well shut his eyes and try to collect himself it was impossible for him at the end of the second ten to follow his prayers he hesitated forgetting the large beads of the parters losing his way in the small beads of the aves stamping on the ground to check himself he thought of transporting himself in imagination at each dose into one of the chapels of the virgin which he loved to attend in paris at notre dame des victoires at saint sulpice at saint severin but these virgins were not numerous enough for him to dedicate each set of ten to them so he evoked the madonnas of the early masters and absorbed before their images he turned the windlass of his prayers not understanding what he mumbled but praying the mother of the saviour to accept his paternosters as she would receive the lost smoke of a censer forgotten before the altar i cannot force myself any more he said he left this toil worried and crushed and wanting to take breath there were still three rosaries to exhaust and as soon as he had stopped the question of the eucharist which had been dropped came up again better not to communicate than to communicate badly and it was impossible that after such debates and with such prejudices he could properly approach the holy table yes but then what shall i do in reality was it not monstrous of me to dispute the monk's orders to wish to carry them out in my own way to take them up at my convenience if this goes on i shall sin so much to-day that i shall have to confess again he said to break through this feeling he threw himself again upon his wheel but then stupefied himself completely the device he had tried to keep himself before the virgin at least was used up when he wished to abstract himself and to bring up a recollection of memling he could not succeed and his lip prayers wearying him distressed him my soul is worn out he thought i should do well to let it rest while i stay quiet he wandered round the pond not knowing what to do next suppose i go to my cell he went there tried to become absorbed in the little office of the virgin and did not grasp a single word of the phrases he was reading he went down and began to prowl about the park again this is enough to drive me mad he cried and mournfully he exclaimed i ought to be happy to pray in peace and prepare myself for tomorrow's act yet never have i been so restless so upset so far from god but i must finish this penance despair seized him and he was on the point of letting all go he mortified himself again and compelled himself to tell the beads he finished by dispatching them he was at the end of his powers and he immediately found a new means of torture he reproached himself with having moaned the prayers negligently without having even seriously tried to follow their meaning and he was on the point of beginning the rosary over again but in the face of the evident folly of this suggestion he pulled himself up refused to listen and then he worried himself again it is none the less true that you have not literally fulfilled the task assigned you by the confessor for your conscience reproaches you for your want of reflection and your wandering 
but i am half dead he exclaimed i cannot go through the exercises again in this condition and once again he ended by giving a casting vote and finding a new weakness by saying over another ten thoughtfully pronouncing the prayers with care he might make up for all the beads of the rosary which he had mumbled without understanding them and he tried to turn the crank but as soon as he had got out the pater he wandered he was obstinate in wishing to grind out the aves but then his mind gave way and became thoroughly distracted he stopped thinking what is the use of it besides would one set of ten however well said be equal to five hundred prayers that have missed fire and then why one set of ten and not two why not three it is absurd he grew angry after all he concluded these repetitions are absurd christ positively declared that we should not use vain repetitions in our prayers then what is the object of this wheel of aves if i dwell upon such ideas if i cavil at the injunctions of the monk i am lost said he suddenly and by an effort of will he stifled the revolt which was rumbling in him he took refuge in his cell the hours lengthened interminably he killed the time by recapitulating all the same objections with all the same answers it was a repetition of which he was himself ashamed so much is certain that i am the victim of an aberration he said i do not speak of the eucharist there my thoughts may not be exact but at least they are not maddening while as for this question of paternosters he confused himself so much that he felt hammered like an anvil between these two opposing ideas and finally sank drowsily on a chair thus he passed the time till the hour of vespers and supper after this meal he returned to the park and then the slumbering dispute revived and all came back a furious battle was raging within him he remained there immovable astounded listening to himself when a rapid footstep approached and monsieur bruno said to him take care you are possessed by the devil and as durtal stupefied did not answer yes he said god sometimes allows me intuitions and i am certain at this moment that the devil is working in you let us see what is wrong with you i i do not know myself and durtal told him of the extraordinary conflict about the rosary which had been raging in him since the morning but this is madness exclaimed the oblate it is ten beads the prior ordered you to tell ten rosaries would be impossible i know it and yet i doubt still always the same tactics said monsieur bruno contriving to render disgusting the thing you ought to do yes the devil wished to make the rosary odious to you by crushing you with it and what is there besides you do not wish to communicate to-morrow true replied durtal i thought as much when i was watching you at supper ah well after conversions the evil one is at work and it is nothing believe me he was harder on me than that he slipped his arm under durtal's and leading him to the auditorium begged him to wait and disappeared some minutes afterwards the prior entered well said he monsieur bruno tells me you are suffering what is it exactly it is so stupid that i am ashamed to explain myself you will never astonish a monk said the prior smiling well i know precisely i am certain that you gave me ten beads of the rosary to recite every day for a month and since this morning i have been arguing with myself against all common sense to convince myself that my daily penance is to be the rosary ten times hand me your rosary said the monk and look at these ten beads well that is all i prescribed for you and all you have to recite so you have told all the beads ten times to-day 
durtal signified assent and naturally you were perplexed you lost all patience and ended up by rambling and seeing durtal's pitiful smile well listen to me declared the father in an energetic tone i absolutely forbid you for the future to begin a prayer again it has been badly said so much the worse go on do not repeat it i need not ask you if the idea of abstaining from communion occurred to you for that comes of itself it is there that the enemy directs all his efforts do not listen to the devil's voice which would keep you away whatever happens you will communicate to-morrow you should have no scruple for i command you to receive the sacrament i take it all upon myself and now another question what sort of nights have you durtal told him of the awful night of his arrival at la trappe and of the feeling of being spied upon which had awakened him the day before we have long known these manifestations they are without imminent danger do not therefore let them trouble you at the same time if they continue you will let me know and we will not neglect attending to them and the trappist left quietly while durtal remained thinking i never doubted that those phenomena were satanic he thought but i did not understand these attacks upon the soul this charge at full speed against my reason which remains untouched and yet is overcome that is remarkable if only this lesson may be useful to me so that i may not be unhorsed on the first alarm he went up to his cell again and a great peace fell upon him all had died down at the voice of the monk he now only felt surprise at having been off the rails for hours he understood now that he had been assailed unawares and that the struggle had not been with himself he said his prayers and lay down and suddenly the assault began again by new tactics he had not guessed at no doubt i shall communicate to-morrow he said to himself but but am i prepared for such an act i ought to have collected my thoughts in the daytime i ought to have thanked the lord for having absolved me and i have lost my time in nonsense why did i not say that just now to father maximin how is it that i did not think of it then i ought to have confessed again and this priest who will give me the communion this priest the horror which he felt for this man increased suddenly and became so vehement that he was astonished ah but there i am again knocked about by the enemy he said and he went on all that shall not prevent me from receiving the heavenly bread to-morrow for i have quite decided only how frightful it is that the spirit of malice should be allowed to oppress and harass me without respite while i have no sign from heaven which does not interfere and i know nothing ah lord if i were only certain this communion would please thee give me a sign show me that i may ally myself with thee without remorse let the impossible take place so that to-morrow it may be a monk and not this priest and he stopped himself astonished at his boldness asking himself how he dared ask for and indicate a sign it is idiotic he exclaimed in the first place no one has a right to claim such favours from god and then as he will not grant my prayer what shall i have gained i shall infer from the refusal that my communion will be worth nothing and he prayed the lord to forget his wish excused himself for having formed it and wished to convince himself that he should not take it into account and helped by the agitations of the day he ended by falling asleep as he prayed. End of part two, chapter three.